Do you dream of creating picture books that children will want to read over and over again? Learn how to make your picture books sing at this year's Picture Book Summit, a world-class online conference for picture book authors and illustrators. Join us on Saturday, October 7th, 2023, for an all-new lineup of superstar speaker presentations from musical icon and author Julie Andrews and her writing partner, award-winning author Emma Walton Hamilton, to Coretta Scott King Award winner Nikki Grimes and Caldecott Medal winning duo Philip C. Stead and Aaron E. Stead. Get ready to create picture books that come together like a perfect symphony. Register by August 1st and get $100 off the regular price using our special link, picturebooksummit.com forward slash Matthew. One more time, that's picturebooksummit.com forward slash Matthew. Hey, grown-ups! thinking about starting a podcast for kids, but don't know where to start? Join me for a short, intensive online course through the Highlights Foundation to find the heart of your podcast for kids. This online intensive workshop will include presentations, small group discussions, a Q&A gathering, and more. Live lectures are on Sunday, August 6th from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern and Sunday, August 13th from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. There's an optional faculty Q&A on Thursday, August 10th from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern to ask questions between sessions. And you get to have me, an award-winning podcast host and producer with over 15 shows and 1,000-plus episodes as your personal teacher. What do you say? Visit highlightsfoundation.org and locate an Introduction to Engaging Kids with Podcasts under the Workshop tab. That's highlightsfoundation.org and click on workshops. Hope to see you in August. Welcome to the Children's Book Podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm a teacher, a librarian, and dun, 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 a fan of kids. And, like many, many of the adults in your life, I'm rooting for this person you are growing into. Discovering things you like, figuring out what you're good at and what lights you up, exploring what new knowledge and experiences you'll lean into as you continue to grow. These ideas are woven so beautifully into the picture book we're talking about today. Because, as Leslie and Maya, the book creators, affirm and celebrate throughout the story, you can be you. I Can Be Me by Leslie Newman and Maya Cristina Gonzalez. From best-selling author Leslie Newman, a joyful picture book celebration of individuality, uniqueness, and children's freedom to express themselves while engaging in whatever kinds of play they choose. I can be everything I want to be. I can be all of magnificent me. In this light-hearted story, a group of six colorfully clad children exuberantly explore through play 
the many ways they can be themselves. They are free to embrace all kinds of activities, reveling in the fun of trying new things and discovering new ways of being. They can shoot baskets, dance around a room, weave ribbons through their hair, swim like a mermaid, and more. There is no right way or wrong way. There are no binary expectations. Children explore their individuality through whatever kinds of play appeal to them. With lively, gender-neutral rhyming verses and fun, gender-bending images, author Leslie Newman and illustrator Maya Cristina Gonzalez invite young readers into a space where creativity and acceptance are enjoyed by all, and where each child will be inspired to say, I can be me. Hi everybody, my name is Leslie Newman, and I am a children's book writer, and I am also a poet and an animal lover. And I am the author of I Can Be Me. Hi, my name's Maya Gonzalez, and I am the illustrator of I Can Be Me with Leslie Newman's words. And I am, hmm, many things. I'm an artist, an author, a publisher, a sewer, a crocheter, an animal lover like Leslie. Um, and I love to talk about nature and gender a lot. Listeners, did you know that the things you love right now today and the things that you love to do right now today might be things you end up doing your whole life long? Let's hear from my favorite almost third grader. Hi, I'm Julia. I'm eight years old. Jules, can you please use some I am statements to tell us about who you are and what interests you? I am a girl. I'm a very good artist. I'm very kind. I'm very loving. There's a lot of things. Oh, I agree. You are made up of lots and lots of different things. Leslie, Maya, what about you? What are things you were drawn to as a kid? So my very favorite thing to do when I was a child was hang out and play with my dog, Angus. Angus was a complete total lookalike from The Wizard of Oz. And he was the best dog in the world. His birthday's coming up. He would be, I think, about 57 if he was still alive. So he is long gone. But you can make any member of my family cry if you just say the word Angus. And other than that, you know, I really loved art, Maya. I don't think you knew this about me. I loved doing collage and I would go to the beach. I lived close to the beach in New York and collect all these shells and then make little sculptures out of them. And I still have a couple. I, you know, I was obsessed with art. I literally wanted to be Michelangelo. I studied Michelangelo, the Sistine Chapel, all of their paintings. And I was like kind of obsessed with being that. And then there was crafts and then there was writing. And so what I started finding was that I liked everything that was creative. And so I kind of spread it out. And I, when I was about like, I think I was like a teen, a young teen, I had been super obsessed with art. Like I had my own cartoon that I had created. I had reams of paper of all these characters I had created. And then I was like, oh, art's gonna take over my life if I stay with art. I'm going to have to do something else. And for some bizarre reason, I went toward writing. And then I focused on writing really intensely for a really long time 
until my voice vanished and I couldn't write anymore. And then I had art waiting for me. So I think as I've kind of gone back and forth and let them fold into each other over time, uh, now I write and make art and publish. So that always I think that I was heading in that direction in some way. And Michelangelo was sort of the beacon of light that sort of drove me on for some reason. Did you think in that way as a child that as I grow up, I just want to keep doing this? I want to find a way to just keep doing this my whole life? I, I really did. And, and that's the funny thing is that I was afraid at some point that art would literally take over my life. Oh. And I was just like, oh, how do I um, kind of move in and out of that? because art and creativity is such a powerful teacher and it can feel like it just sort of like waves through you. And I don't know. I just like, I wanted to fathom that in some way. That's what I think that's what most of my life has been about is understanding that creative force. I think it's really interesting to hear you be aware of the hold that that could have taken on you or does take on you and just sort of, I guess dance with it your entire life? That's really interesting. Well, you know, it's so funny because I left out the most obvious thing, which as a child, of course, I loved to read and to write. So I guess I just thought that was so obvious. I didn't even have to mention it, but that was my thing. You know, I was under the blankets with the flashlight and not a phone flashlight because we didn't have that back then, but an actual flashlight with big batteries and I would read. Um, under the blankets with my dog and I loved the library so yes when I was from a very early age I knew all I wanted to do was be a writer and I would go to the library and I would look at a book and I would turn it over and see the author photo on the back cover and think oh what what's it going to be like when I have a photo you know in, in the back cover of a book and I would look at the alphabetical books and I thought now who am I going to be between when I'm published in a famous author so yeah that's all I wanted to do ever when I grow up I want to be an artist a singer or a dancer why do you want to be one of those things because I'm really good at all of them <laughs> does it feel good to do things that you're good at yeah it feels good to do things that I'm good at you know I have really kept that as my true north and worked really hard and got there. So one thing I always tell kids is if there's something you love, like Maya was talking about how much she loves art, if you love sports, if you love dance, if you love cooking, whatever it is, you can do that your whole life. And it can be a really good friend to you, whether it becomes your profession or not. But if you love something, it's great to just explore that forever. I know that many, or most of you, have not yet seen this book, and yet, I think that the way you're getting to know the author and the illustrator probably gives you a really good sense of the heart of the story and how it was made. Let's hear from Leslia about how I Can Be Me first came to be. So it's a very personal story because Maya and Kyle Lukoff and I were on a panel sponsored by Lee and Lowe. We were talking about gender. So Maya has this wonderful book called Call Me Tree. And Kyle has a book, When Aiden Became a Brother, and I have a book, Sparkle Boy. And that's what we were all talking about. And I learned so much from Kyle and Maya that I decided I was going to try and put 
all of that into a book somehow. So what happens for me is often things just sort of get dumped into my head and I pull a string like a salad spinner and then something else comes out. So that was kind of my process for this book. But I had two thoughts. One is a quote by Oscar Wilde, which is, be yourself, everyone else is taken. And I've always loved that quote. And the other is this question that I pose to myself constantly, which is, if you had nothing to conform to and nothing to rebel against, who would you be? Right? So if you take all those expectations away and just let your true north, I'll say again, or your authentic self emerge, who would that person be? And that's what I was trying to do in this book, create a safe space for kids to explore that, which Maya complimented so gorgeously with her illustrations. Well, you know, probably like Leslie, I have had the opportunity to quite literally play with thousands of kids. And I think that the ones that are the, the, you know, the kids that don't fit in, the kids that are, you know, they're kind of non-conforming in multiple ways, uh, those are the ones that are always drawn to me and I'm always drawn to as well. And so those are the ones that stay caught in my memory. But I live around a lot of kids too, and I, I have a kid. And of course my kid's in the book. And I think for me as a parent, so often I'm wanting to create those spaces. Like Leslie was referencing, I quite literally created a, a gate to go through and a pink forest and you know this backyard kind of scene that the kids get to just completely play in freely and wanted that inside outside reflection that not only do the kids get to um, buck what I call the girl boy lie like any kind of projections about like what you're supposed to do how you're supposed to look that you just like really release those and that this space is that the space of the book too is a place where you can also release those and you can just like grow into whatever feels right to you from that deeper, authentic, more nature-based place, right? And that was the, not only what I wanted to convey to all kids, of course, but like super wanting to give convey to my kid, you know, that this is home no matter who you are, right? That meanness, like you were saying, that meanness is really the essence, that the infinity of nature. And that, you know, how do you convey that in art? You do it very playfully. <laughs> There's so much roundness to your art that it often to me feels like cascading from one piece to another. It just feels, it's a movement. There's a, my eyes sort of cascade over the page. It's really, it is very joyful. It is very playful. It was sweet because um, the two influences, I mentioned Michelangelo, right? And those, those, the Sistine Chapel and that movement that was really powerful to me to always see. But who impacted me probably next was Diego Rivera, who painted all of Mexican history, right? And these really moving scenarios and just showing the sweep of everything at once. And so because I look so much at that, study that so closely, I always want my books to almost feel like an ongoing mural. And a lot of times my art is compared to murals because I think of that vibe. You're listening to the Children's Book Podcast. Here is author Leslie Newman reading an excerpt from I Can Be Me, 
followed by an illustration exploration with artist Maya Gonzalez. So the book starts, I can be everything I want to be. I can be all of magnificent me. I can put on old blue jeans and dig in the dirt or paint my nails silver and pose in a skirt. So there's all these activities these children are doing. And then in the middle of the book, we switch gears a little bit. I can dance around the room when I'm filled with delight or ask for a hug when I'm trembling with fright. So we also have emotional choices in the book. And this is one of my favorite spreads. Maya, I don't know if you want to talk about this particular spread, but it's just so lusciously purple. It's so funny that you picked that one out because my fantasy was that it was like a prom, right? That it was this this dance that these kids had put on. So it's kind of like a non-binary prom, right? And they all have their purple on and they're all out with the stars, you know, the can't or what are those lanterns? And so I wanted to give sort of that imagination, like they all had tuxedos on kind of thing. And then of course this has the spider in it. And uh, so that was the little like thing about the fear, like jumping into somebody's arms. And even my kid gets scared of spiders, like spiders are super cool, why are you afraid? <laughs> but in this particular fight, spider is really super cool because it's got a lot of eyes. I looked at spiders and they're so cool. If you get like super microscopic spider images, you can actually see all these eyes on their head. It's really awesome. Wow. Well, you know, I've looked at this book, you know, many, many, many times, but I still keep seeing more. So for example, besides the wonderful children in the book, there are all these animals who I love. And there's this dog who's so joyful and the dog has a collar and on that collar is a key. And I recently noticed that there's the, the key disappears and then later on in the book there is a child holding out the key to the dog. So there's this whole little sub story about this dog had this key, the key got lost, this child found the key, is giving it back to the dog and that's like a whole book in and of itself right there. And there's no text that describes that. So that was just Maya's pure genius. She just decided to put that in. And I love that. And I'm sure I could find something else I have never seen if I look close enough, which I'm going to. Listeners, readers, as you look closely in the book, I hope that you see yourself lots and lots of times. I hope you see your classmates and your friends. I hope you see kids who maybe don't look like you, but that you would be excited to meet. There are pressures that this world puts on us to conform, to stay in the lines, to look and behave like everyone else looks and behaves. And so I asked Maya and Leslia, why? What holds us back from being ourselves? And how can we support and make a clear path for people to show up in the world the way that they want to show up in the world? I think this was such a great question, and this was the one that really stopped me. I was just like, I wanted to pause and pay attention to it, actually. And when I think about it, and I think specifically in relation to this book, because I think this book has uh, touches on that, obviously, is, is I'm going to go back to that girl-boy line, all of these ideas and pressure that so much of us feel we're supposed to fit in if we're going to be good, we're gonna, even if we're going to be successful, right? Then we have to perform along this certain line. And I think for those of us who don't naturally do that, um, how do we 
find that that courage and that strength and that connection and power and Leslie was mentioning how there's all these animals in the book and like what I teach uh, in, in my other life is is the gender wheel and it's this way to look at nature first and foremost in all of its amazing diversity and how that functions and how that actually is the power of nature and that when I started seeing myself as an adult as a part of that diversity as a part of that power of nature I started feeling really good I started feeling like I belong like this is my world like the woods are mine like the sky is mine and that's what I want my kid to have and so in teaching my child these things what I've seen is that the level of freedom and creativity and power that they function with is off the charts compared to what I grew up with and that was my hope and my goal and so that's why there's all these layers in the book right to bring that conversation up and allow us to be like hey I am powerful exactly how I am that meanness right so I grew up a long time ago in a very very traditional household in a time where there were really rigid gender expectations and just really rigid expectations in general for everything from appearance like I wasn't supposed to have curly hair you know straight hair was the the better hair and I had to like you know try to conform to that which you know I like to say even my hair is not straight I mean I just can't pull it off <laughs> you know I'm I was supposed to be thinner was always on these diets so everything from my appearance to I was supposed to grow up and marry a man and have children and neither of which I did and my career for what it was worth wasn't really worth anything because it was expected that I would marry a man who would be the breadwinner and support me so it didn't really matter what I did so it was kind of a weird way to just kind of encourage me to write because it didn't really matter which is kind of an odd thing but um so all of that really delayed my discovering really who I was um, because there was so much to fight against all those expectations that was so oppressive and I really had to break away from all that um, and you know I'm a pretty stubborn and determined person and I come by that honestly I was very close with my maternal grandmother who lived to be 99 and she was an immigrant. She came here from what she called the old country, which sometimes was Poland, sometimes was Russia, depending on where the czar drew the border that day. That's what she would say to me. Um, and so you really have to have a strong spirit to survive that kind of thing. And so she, her little motto was, just because they say no to me, you think I'm finished? So that's how I grew up. <laughs> and... Um, I just learned to assert myself and to become myself, even if it meant displeasing people who I really loved and who, whose approval I sought. But it was just not worth the price of not being myself. And so today, you know, as an adult, I think and hope I don't act that way. Um, I have a very beloved nephew and he is very different than I am and I'm just delighted 
to discover who he is. He he lives in like this totally different world. Um, you know, he's very cerebral. He's very much about facts. And you know, it's it's kind of not my groove, but I love him. So if that's his groove, I'm going to encourage that, and I'm going to interact with him around that. And that's what I think um, nurtures and supports and love other people is to just let them. Well, not let them because we don't have the power to let other people, but just appreciate who they are without dumping expectation upon them. It is that time when we say goodbye for now to Leslia and to Maya. I am grateful to them for reminding us about the importance of following what we love and living as we are. I know I'll be thinking about what Maya calls the girl-boy lie for some time, and I especially love how they each see the kids in their own lives. As I prepare my library for the next time it is full of children, and as you prepare for whatever is coming next in your day, I asked Leslia and Maya if they had a message they would like me to share with all of you. Yes, please tell the children that each of them is special and important and has a place in this world and the entire world would be incomplete without any one of them in it. You know what I I would encourage kids to do is if there's something that they think they're not supposed to do in the world, like a way that they're not supposed to behave, something they're not supposed to wear, something they're not supposed to like, to kind of press into that and be like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to buy this, this lie this time. I'm going to actually press into this and I'm going to play with whatever this toy is that I'm not allowed, this outfit, this idea, this color. Uh, and and then tie that big, back into what Leslie was saying is that that thing, doing that thing and listening to that part of their self is actually nature flowing through them and reminding all of us, right, that they're part of infinity and they belong. And that, like Leslie has said, we cannot be whole without them. So do that thing, press in, see where you go, because that's just gonna bring all of us into this greater flow of nature. The Children's Book Podcast is written, edited, and produced by me, Matthew Winner. Follow the show wherever podcasts are found and leave us a rating or review when you do. That helps us out a whole lot because it helps the show get discovered by and recommended to new listeners. Leslia, Maya, where can listeners find you? You can go to my website, which is lesliakids.com, L-E-S-L-E-A-K-I-D-S.com. Uh, you can find me two places. One is mayagonzalez.com, and there you can see not only my books, but also my fine art. Or Reflection Press, which is the press I co-founded with my partner, and you can see all of the amazing books that we make that tie gender and nature together. Visit matthewcwinner.com for a full transcript of this episode, plus some questions that you can use as you think about this episode. You can also reach out and let me know your I am statements. How do you describe yourself today? Write to me or send me a message at matthewmakespods at gmail.com. Our podcast logo was created by Duke Stebbins. 
Our music is by Poddington Bear. Podcast hosting by Libsyn. You can support the show and buy me a coffee at matthewcwinner.com. And always, don't forget to check out the Reading Culture Podcast with Jordan Bookie from Beanstack, if you're a fellow teacher or librarian. It's the perfect podcast to explore building a stronger culture of reading in our communities. Available wherever podcasts are found. Be well and read on.